Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. My knowledge of, um, okay, it's recording now. You may have to, you may have to edit it. So just, just, just before we get started. So good morning, everybody. And welcome to another episode of Subcore Talkology. This is the first meeting Theo and I are having on Zoom. Good morning, Andy. How are you? I'm all right. Uh, thank you. And yourself? Very, very good. This is also our earliest. This is earliest. This is uh, yeah. So um, yeah. So we're on Zoom and we're doing this uh, this podcast. And in fact, I mean, obviously because of the lockdown, we can't really sort. We don't have the physical capabilities of meeting up at the moment. So um, we are testing out what everyone else in the market is. In fact, actually, they're probably the only one of the very few companies, apart from some of the supermarkets, that are actually booming at the moment in this time of um on on this lockdown measures is is actually zoom whose subscription has actually increased probably what hundredfold not only that but um uh lola's cupcakes who have now gone into the grocery delivery business um tell me that they are making as much profit with deliveries as they used to make with 30 open shops selling cakes and a bit less much work as well, actually. That's right. But they probably, I mean, they, I mean, obviously when this is all over, will it be sustainable for someone like them to maintain that level of business? Or is it just because they're taking advantage of this current situation? He's, he's a very wily businessman. He's using his normal delivery trucks. So okay. when things go back to normal, then he'll, he'll just go back to his previous business model. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting because before this podcast, Theo and I were actually having a chat about this not so much being an economic recession as so much as economic depression and that we are going to start looking at figures of like the 1920s depression which led which led to the um is there a second world war wasn't it correct and the re- the reality of course is that um the only thing that gave us the impression that we came out of the recession was the fact that everything got nationalized and our manufacturing was simply war machines and war equipment. And of course, uh, requiring employment uh, uh, to do that. And what was interesting, of course, is that one way of reducing employment was the fact that all the men were forced to become soldiers, uh, meaning that women had to step up into their places. so again, there wasn't this over oversupply of manpower as there is now, where men and women are going to work. There was really just one of the sexes, and then after the war, things went back to open quotes normal close quotes, where men were working and women again became homemakers. Um, so it really took a war to give us the impression that we came out of a recession, um, and right now. The um, projection is a 7.5% drop in GDP, bearing in mind that last week a statistician came up with a figure of GDP dropping to 65 
means that we're now killing more people through the effects of economic depression than the coronavirus would have done at its very projected potential worst. And this is actually much worse than the 6.5%. Mm. Um, and indeed, uh, Rishi Sunak is beginning to say, um, he's beginning to get, come to loggerheads with Matt Hancock and accusing him of per, just being personally worried about keeping the lockdown going too much because he's worried about being personally blamed for the collapse of the NHS if he doesn't keep the lockdown going. Um, now, of course, you could say that Rishi Sunak is worried about being personally blamed for the collapse of the economy. Um, but, and therefore this brings back to my, my old point, where there's a vested interest, um, you can never rely on objectivity. Which then brings us to uh, Sweden, where there is one person who doesn't have a vested interest, who's a, a pure statistician, who is saying exactly this, that you can't have lockdown because you'll destroy the economy and then you will actually cause much more illness and death. And if you have lockdown, you have to start it super early. And lockdown, in any case, only pushes the problem further along, as you and I have already said, because, of course, with lockdown, you have a virgin population and become vulnerable to infection as soon as you unlock it. Mm. Um, and the fact that the, the idea that we can magically have some vaccine available um, again, is, is potentially wishful thinking. Um, because have you ever seen anywhere where a vaccine can be developed that quickly? Of course you can't. Um, have you ever well, seen Hold on a second, but the thing is, they've been, they've been haven't, I mean, the thing is, they've always been, um, I don't know whether it's this level of strain or whatever, but the thing is, I, I know there was, there's always been effort into actually producing a vaccine for the coronavirus and it's been going on for a long time however um i think it it's it, it always went on to the back burner up until now ironically because people saw there was more pressing things to actually invest money in whether like cancer or whatever it is but and coronavirus always you know became the bottom of the intray as, as such well do you remember the conference with donald trump telling his chief medical officer um, how long will it take? And he said, two years. And he said, I'd like it in one. And the, the guy says, no, it's going to take two years. <laughs> so, you know, that's the reality. Mm. Um, but it's also one thing bearing in mind, actually, when you actually look at sort of some of the things in history, uh, and, and particularly the last, or, you know, depression and things like this. Actually, in the 1920s, actually, more millionaires were actually made during the during a time of depression than they actually did during sort of normal economic booms as such. Um, because obviously one of the things that we do when, we, uh, as, as, when we're in business is we actually solve other people's problems. And you're never going to get any more problems than they are during an economic depression. Um, so, so, so there is opportunity there for people who will actually be willing to grasp it. And I, I think I said this on the podcast the last time we did it was... Um, you know, I think it was sort of Charles Darwin. It was, I think well, I'm sure it was Charles Darwin who said that it was not, um, it was, it wasn't the strongest or the smartest who will, who will survive, but the people who can adapt to change the quickest. And and that is, and that is in fact um, going to be 
I think it's going to be evident or it's going to be interesting actually watching as we actually come out of this, because we will come out of it at some point, um, is actually how people actually respond. Um, the way you actually see a pe you know, some people behaving in the supermarkets and things like this in terms of the panic buying and coming from this place of scarcity just shows just show you just show you just shows you the mental state of how people are behaving in terms of actually how that they apply to that the rest of their lives and um i think well, what, what it's showing is that humans have no common sense whatsoever <clears throat> and and are incredibly easily led if you go for a walk now for instance um humans jump like like scalded rats at um at, at any prospect of coming within two meters of someone now it's it, you know yes it is government guidelines but it's clear that people are petrified um over what exactly if you take a cold statistical epidemiological look at the figures uh someone someone published um heat maps of mortality heat maps of yearly mortality excess mortality over the last few years across europe and so far up to now um this year 2020 is lower than previous years imagine that for a second except apart from italy excess mortality at the moment is lower than previous years yeah, we're talking about at the moment, though, um, and, and there's still a way to go because I'm, I'm because the thing is, the figures in the UK are increasing um, are, 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 are at a catastrophic rate. But even so, it's not. I mean, I know a couple of people who have actually had it, um, the coronavirus, and I know a couple of people who have actually died as well. Um, and the thing is, it's not a very nice. Um, it's not just like having a common common cold or the flu where you can. You know where you sort of, or, or in, in, our, in in men's case, man flu, which is obviously you know it feels feels really even worse. Where we, um, you know, where we can actually lie in bed for the next three to five days until we recover. Um, in terms of the uh, impact and the effects it actually has on you, is actually it's not something I would. I mean, there was times I put it this way: there's times I wouldn't even care whether I got the flu or not. So I mean, I was quite blasé about it. I've got to say, I'm taking this a little bit more seriously because I don't really want to catch it because obviously of the uh, the impact it actually has on you. Um... How do you know you haven't already had it? You see, this is the big point. You, you, you know people who have had it <coughs> because they became seriously ill, had to go to hospital and were tested. Because in the UK so far, the only, the only people who are tested <coughs> are those who have been had to go to hospital and one theory based in oxford is that half of us at least have already got it um because if it's meant to be that infectious uh since it's been around since the end of last year and since even now people are allowed to come to heathrow airport and go straight through um passport control without any checks whatsoever on their health and start mingling um then the likelihood is that most of us have already had it um and so therefore we're, we only become aware of case load by testing in hospital and therefore that's a 
that is not a representative figure. Um, going back to the heat maps, you're right. My main argument with that would be one, um, maybe lockdown is preventing other deaths. And for instance, deaths from road traffic accidents or deaths from overdoses or, and things like that. So if deaths from road traffic accidents and overdoses are more than potential deaths from coronavirus, then of course the heat map would be less. And the other thing is, you're right, um, the, the fact is that we, we can't have, we can't have, my son's trying to join in, we can't have um, uh, a situation where uh, it's a dynamic situation such as developing coronavirus um, problem with snapshots from previous years. So therefore, I don't think heat maps are necessarily that accurate. Um, but it is interesting that if this thing has been running rampant for four months, that it really hasn't caused any significant problems in terms of excess mortality so far. So it's interesting, but it's certainly not conclusive. Wasn't there something um, a few days ago that was, I'm, I'm looking to find it now actually, and it was regarding something that was slipped through Parliament, uh, regarding, hold on a second, I'm looking to bring it up right now, because I just remembered it. So there's a, there's a petition going around, not that I'm going to sign it, um, with regarding to sort of the certain levels of information you've got to provide. So it, it was, uh, uh, let me have a look. There was a bill that was actually rushed through its law, and it was regarding how it will actually affect our freedom. And it's called the coronavirus bill uh, and it's about forced detention and isolation and um, so basically authorities can forcibly take biological samples from your body and things like this have you heard of that i have um and uh i think i think people have got very very worried about it because um it it also pointed to the mental health act now, the Mental Health Act is something that allows uh, people to withdraw personal freedom, in other words, incarcerate someone for having committed no crime just because they're ill or mentally ill. Um, and so far, you need, for most of the act, two doctors and a social worker, um, and they've reduced that requirement to one doctor. Um, now, I haven't I, haven't, I don't know whether they dispensed for the need of a social worker as well. Uh, that would be very concerning. Um, but if they dispense the requirement to one doctor and a social worker, that's much less concerning. Well, actually, well, why is a social worker a factor? Because I, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you, I can't stand social workers. I think, <laughs> I, 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 I think, I think they make more disastrous decisions uh, than anything else. I mean, you actually look at some of these um, these sex rings in like Rotherham and and places like that. Um, you know, the, this was all because social workers turned a blind eye, even though they knew what was going on. For example, and they were catalyst in all this. Same as the police in some ways. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I find that social workers. I mean, thing is, I mean, I find that social workers have stuck their nose in one where they shouldn't. And they've actually removed children from their parents um, just on the say-so of, 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 of uh, 
bitter neighbour and things like this. So, although I'm not saying that there's cases where, 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 um, where, where they haven't done the right thing either, by the way. So I'm not saying because I think taking a child from an abusive parent is probably important, but um, they don't, you know, I, I, I might just suppose we, all only, we only hear about the disaster things rather than things they do on a daily basis. So I, I will accept some, I'll accept some criticism on that one that I may actually be wrong on that because mm. we, we only hear the things that go wrong rather than things that they do right. But um, having, having been in the police and having dealt with social workers, I've got to say, I can't, I'm not, they're not my favourite people. Well, in, indeed. Um, uh, so, I mean, you're, you're obviously talking from uh, personal professional experience. The, the, my personal professional experience um, is that when you're trying to section someone, a approved social worker with special training is, is usually the person who's least willing to have that person sectioned, whereas the doctors seem to be much more pragmatic and positive about having someone sectioned. Um, and I think it's crucial really to have at least two people involved because, um, as we have many times said, uh, humans, 98% of all decisions are emotion-based rather than logic. And it would be very worrying if uh, the decision on whether to withdraw someone's freedom is based on the decision of just one person so i think really two people is, is absolutely crucial and it would be very concerning to me if it was only one doctor but it's especially as i always say the law the, the rule of nature is mediocrity yeah but the thing is when you talk about this bill and it literally was because there wasn't really any major news about it and it was literally slipped through parliament um, because I think they knew they were going to get some blowback on this. But do you not think that people actually have, I mean, particularly in the world of technology and AI and um, data collection, which is basically what they're talking about data being the new, um, is really is going to be the new level of um, oil, you know, um, in, in terms of its value, um, albeit specific data. Do you not think that this is a a way for governments, probably even around the world, to actually um, start producing this Big Brother type um, environment? Or you know, like, do you ever read the book 1984? No, but uh, I absolutely take your point, and someone else did raise that with me. And um, actually, I have no problem with increased state control. Because the converse of increasingly permissive societies uh, and and the excess uh, associated with that is is a harbinger to collapse of the society itself, um, and that's what we've been seeing in the West. Uh, and I, as I said many many times, the increasing permissiveness is is really uh, of which mat excess materialism is a symptom um, is really a plateau on the sine wave before you have collapse of that particular society and over the centuries over the millennia that's exactly what you see with civilizations a slow start a rapid acceleration a plateau associated with excess debauchery orgies and anything you can think of followed by collapse of that particular civilization um, so if 
um, you have increased state control and reduced permissiveness, then, then that's actually a good thing in terms of survival of the civilization. Actually, and um, I'll probably actually have to disagree with you in, in many cases. Um, and, 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 here's, and here's my reason why. You see, the thing is, the, as artificial intelligence and technology becomes even more efficient, um, we're at a stage now where even, even now you can do it, you can predict someone's buying behavior just by, um, just by actually looking at the data that they actually have, um, which means you can actually manipulate their way of thinking, how they vote, how they, um, how they buy, how they behave, and all these sort of things. I mean, I remember there was a thing, a thing on Facebook about two months before a woman was pregnant, she was already getting um, baby stuff being seeded into her brain, um, you know, through familiarity, you know, very, being repetitive of, of putting stuff on, and literally, literally in front of her in adverts and things like this. Um, and if you can actually, and if actually the government can do that, you don't even know whether you are... Um, whether you're actually making your own choices or not. Now, some people could argue that's a good thing. I don't, because I think you're taking away the, that, that level of freedom of choice and freedom of thought, which is what we want, and then you become a very totalitarian... But, we just, but, 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 but we've already said that humans are incapable of making rational decisions most of the time. Some are, huh? some are. Uh, but but I, I don't like the idea of, having my da uh, of, of, of distributing my data. In fact, one thing I've... Consider being, I've been considering working on the last couple of months is actually how can you protect your identity from all the um, commercial commercial company, companies out there who are looking to keep on selling to you even stuff that you don't need. Correct. Um, so 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 is there a way that you can actually protect your identity? So I'm currently looking at that, even whether it's actually coming up with a pseudonym of your own name in some cases. Well, just the, the the idea is that the solution is then you go on a a virtual private network and you you pay three pounds a month or whatever and and run everything through a VPN. Um, but there there are two there are two issues that you raise. One is government control, and one is of course corporate control. And corporate control is absolutely unacceptable. So, for instance. You know, the technology exists right now with with dynamic digital advertising boards that they can, through your own profile as you pass by, they can assess your gender and your age and flash up gender and age specific advertisements. Um, and of course, that's highly concerning. Um, and again, I always go on the... Um, uh, the, I always go on the cookie settings, which all websites start insisting that we fill in, and I cross off all access to cookies so that uh, I'm not going to get any advertising uh, set on my previous preferences. So as, as long as you're um, fastidious about that, you can minimize that kind yeah, of... Yeah, you can do, the, but there's got to be a, some sort of... Um out there that will allow you to protect yourself and not give as much information um, to people and because bearing in mind I mean you talk about gov there's government you talk about governments and you talk about corporates 
Uh, but the thing is, you're going to find, I think, in time that, particularly now that with the coronavirus and everything, it's an ideal opportunity, for, again, for the pharmaceutical industry to therefore um, greatly benefit from what's going to happen. And actually, the more money you actually have, the more control you actually have mm. as opposed to the government. And that's going to become very intertwined. Same with the technology companies as well are going to become very intertwined with the government. And I've got to say, people who are in the middle, whether it's the middle even or middle upper class, are going to actually have a very limited amount of personal freedom of their, whether they choose to or not. Again, I have no problem with that because, as I keep on saying, humans, well, indeed, Socrates, he, 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 he actually summed it up very nicely uh, because he said uh, when he was in prison, um, one of his friends said to him, I've organized it all. You can walk out of prison now. <clears throat> and we will, uh, there's a place outside Greece where you can live in a lap of luxury for the rest of your life. And he said, he, he said, you know, why should I leave and compromise my principles? And he said, please, Socrates, what will people think of me if, uh, if you don't escape? How will they know this is what you thought? They will think I put my money above the life of my friend. And Socrates said, well, you know, you do have a, a point, uh, but then why should you worry about the general people when the really sensible, educated people will really know what the situation was? And his friend says, his friend whose name was Crito said, uh, Socrates, as usual, you have a very valid point, but then the power of the general people knows no bounds. And your, your predicament is a sad example of that. And Socrates said, no, you're wrong. The general people have no power whatsoever. They are sheep who are led. Um, and therefore, it's the leadership that's important. Um, and in, in fact, the, the next point after that is he said, if I break the law now because I disagree with it, I will weaken the law. So this, this brings us on to a very, very important point, which is you, I, I may be carefully expressing statistical reasons why lockdown may not be the wisest point but this is not to say that the law should be broken even law that people disagree with should be adhered to strictly otherwise there will be anarchy and indeed in the preface to a lot of law books is exactly what Socrates said people may not agree with all the laws but you have to stick to it otherwise there will be no organization and imperfect laws are what we've got, and we have to work with them. So yeah. that's, that, that's that issue sorted out. But, the, but the, the point is that people are easily led. And you're right, corporations can lead them, governments can lead them. And right now we're seeing people walking around with masks and, and scuttling uh, against walls when there are people walking around, which, which is complete nonsense, let's face it. Um, but they're doing it because they're scared and because that's what they've been told. Look, I mean, the thing is, I remember when when they talked about introducing identity cards in the UK many years ago, and I actually never had an issue with that. I thought identity cards were a good thing because the only people who would really need to worry about identity cards were criminals, in effect. Because if you're a good person, you you know you don't even you don't actually have to worry about it because you're not going to be on the radar. Uh, but if you actually have um, 
but it, the thing is, if it comes to a point where any every little petty thing can actually be highlighted and managed, because now you you would be able to manage it with the technology, people are going to get hit left, right, and centre for the most menial things, um, and and that that'd be my big concern. I and mean, I'll give you an example. And I actually went to argue it, and I lost. And I remember. I was driving past the bus stop and I saw one of my elderly neighbours who was actually catching a bus and I pulled in to give her a lift, which is, which would probably be the, um, not just courteous, but nice thing to do in effect. Um, yet, because I pulled into just past the bus stop, even though there was no other traffic whatsoever, um, although people, people can argue that, it was caught on camera and, I, and the next thing I got was a, I think it was a £60 fine. So it makes me wonder whether actually for that £60 fine, is it worth me actually stopping and actually giving an elderly neighbour a lift home? Did you appeal against it? I did appeal against it and I lost. And I lost. Wow. Uh, because the law is the law, as you say. Uh, the law is the law, even though I don't agree with it. Now, Some I've people got to say, do use discretion, don't they? Um, of course. Um, and the thing is... Um, but I've, I've, got, I've got to say, I will not, um, there's certain things I will not, I will not tolerate. Um, and that's what level of behavior, because when you actually think about it, the amount of yellow lines, and I'm not, it's not, it's not about traffic, but the more people who actually drive cars now, the more they're pushing people further and further out and they're charging them further and more and more and more to be able to park. Um, just to actually gain more income. And, you know, they're putting yellow lines in places where they shouldn't actually be yellow lines, um, just because they can. So, and of course, that will lead to eventually to a reduction in their income, which is the opposite to what they wanted. Yeah, because people won't, people won't drive. And the thing is, they'll, they'll, come to, they'll come to a point where people won't drive. Um, because I think, I mean, I, was, I think I was speaking to a couple of probably... Um, millennials i suppose young millennials or generation x or whatever you want to call them now and some of them aren't even bothering in investing in driving lessons because they reckon that within a few years there'll be driverless cars and it would be cheaper to actually hire a driverless uber for example than it is to actually buy a car and spend on the insurance um and and that's the and that's the way of thinking and I, i've got to say there's an element of me that agrees with that because it's easier to get, a, um, for example, I think in Ealing, there's a thing called Slides, which my daughter uses quite a lot, or used to until the lockdown, where, uh, which within the borough uh, in Ealing, they, um, there was almost like this minibus. And, you know, it, I think, I don't know, I don't know how many they have. And they will probably pick you up about a minute from your house and drop you a minute within your destination. Probably they may have to endure about two or three stops along the way. Um, but in some ways, if that's the way it's going, and I think that was what three fifty, um, and compared to probably where she was going, she probably had to spend three fifty just to get there. And what would, what would it cost her in petrol, tax, how much it cost for the car when you actually accumulate it all? It's probably it's probably cheaper to be able to do that. Well, I think that's reasonable for um, regular journeys where you're going to work, but so many journeys. You know, you just ask a housewife how many journeys she's got to make with a car, um, you know, for, for shopping for kids and, and anything else um, domestic <clears throat> that that really isn't viable either. But, you know, the, the, you know, the government will just find other ways of taxing things 
Um, for instance, like, is it in the States now they've legalized electric scooters for um, traveling around and, and uh, uh, you know, officially licensed them and everything? That will come here. And then, of course, there'll be... Oh, they're be taxing them for that, that as well, are they? Sorry? They tax them for that as well now, are they? I, uh, well, I think that's going to come next, <laughs> but at the moment they're legalized because, of course, up to now they haven't been because they're just a, a new technology. Um, let's quickly go back to statistics because that's what we're about, reporting behavior and statistics. So far, we've now had over a million um, coronavirus cases worldwide, and there have been 58,000 deaths. Um, and again, remembering that the flu kills, normal flu kills, in America, in a year, there are 60,000 deaths from the flu. In the UK, there are 30,000 deaths from the flu. In the UK, there are less than 3,000 deaths so far yeah. from coronavirus, bearing in mind that it's been around since at least December. It's now April. Um, so again, um, yeah. where is this danger? Where is this, this uh, beast that is waiting to pounce and consume us all um i don't see it yeah. uh now you could say well things are accelerating and the other thing to bear in mind is that whatever stats we're seeing um which again is highly misleading because they're reported on on a daily basis did you know that um actually every figure that we're hearing is a week to 10 days old because uh deaths take that long to feed through the system and be officially reported so nobody really knows what the real situation is and as i said in the uk alone up to now um you the diagnosis of coronavirus is only done by people who are already in hospital yeah. uh, and hey, therefore Bill, that's Bill, you're gonna have to start wrapping up because we've gone over our our, our, our time no we're okay uh, we've still got 10 minutes left uh, 48 minutes here on my thing um well we started at seven uh, hang on we started at seven didn't we so we've got um eight well, minutes left since i've been recorded okay fine enough okay if you okay um so so the the, the you <laughs> you stopped my train of thought there for a second but the, yeah, when you, when you started the, talking about stats, I've got to say, you, you know, you, I, I was riveted. You looked at the time, didn't you? You looked at your watch. But, but you see, we, with that, we have to be brutally logical about this if, if we're going to, not emotional, because emotion is what causes disasters. Um, uh, you know, even, you know, we, we may say that ladies are a bit more emotional than men, and they're certainly more anxious. Um, and the stats are for that, is that... Um, female heads of state declare war more often than male heads of state especially if they're married um anyway going going back to the brutal stats then um the fact is that flu kills and thirty thousand people on a bad year die in the uk so far less than three thousand people have died um the stats support coronavirus being a relatively weak mild highly infectious agent um which and again the oxford study suggests that more than half of us have already had it and passed out through it and it's a reporting bias in other words we only hear about ill people in hospital and quite frankly if we were told every year that thirty thousand people die of the flu 
um, there would be a panic even then. Um, now, the, the, it's, it's a bit like the lottery. We only hear about winners, which is why we bother to play the lottery. Um, but if, if every loser was recorded, even for one second, it would take months of constant listening to on TV to actually hear the whole list of losers. Would you then play the lottery? Probably not. So reporting biases, um, lots of emotion, uh, vested interest are not the best ways to manage something. Um, and we, one of the real ways of managing it, which is again, what people have been talking about is community testing, population testing. So we know we can prove who's had it already. Um, and again, how easy is that going to be? Well, so far, the answer is very difficult. Um, and indeed, you know, you don't do that with the normal flu either. Uh, and remember, we said statistics are that after the 2008 crash, 500,000 people died from cancer caused by stress. And that caused a 5% drop in GDP. The projections for this are 7.5%. Um, and remember, that was just deaths from cancer. So deaths from depression, suicide, strokes, heart attacks, domestic violence, general suffering. Uh, there's, right now, uh, there are at least half, 50% to 80% of small businesses are going to run out of money in three months. Um, so again, those things have to be borne in mind. Um, and clearly, a bunch of um, academics in Imperial College are potentially not the best people to be advising. And who really should be advising are psychologists um, with people who have um, a handle on economics because it is the health of the nation that matters and it is the mental health that is going to be the biggest casualty not people dying of a virus okay well thank you for that theo i, I look my, my time clock is um, on on this recording is at 52 minutes so okay. i'm a, i'm a little bit anxious so Justin, Justin, just just to wrap up on this in this one, um, just in case um, this gets actually cut, just to, just to say this is the first time we've actually used Zoom as a, as a, as, a, as a platform to be able to do this podcast. So if there's any um, editing issues, we probably apologise on this side. Um, so, but please let us know, and um, if you got any questions, please let us know, and we'll uh, see if we can actually answer them for you. And let's, on a, on a more positive note, I quite enjoy queuing because it gives me time to reflect and meditate. Um, everyone should be sticking to a structure um, and keeping that daily structure because that gives you a sense of control. Um, take time to contact your friends. Be kind. Um, and always try and stick to the facts and the law. Okay. Thank you very much. Okay, we'll wrap up on that one. Thank you very much, all. Bye bye. For listening. Bye. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.